Hey everyone, welcome to the Balanced Dietitian Podcast. I am your host, Marie-Pierre, and for all my English friends out there, you can call me Marie. I am a registered dietitian with a background in psychology. My passion in life is to help individuals heal their relationship with food and their bodies. If you're tired of dieting and tired of restriction, you are at the right place. I'm hoping that this podcast will help and support you as you heal your own relationship with food and your body and give you the tools, the resources, and the knowledge that you need to finally ditch the diets. Every week, you will be hearing from guest experts and myself on all things food, body, and mind. I am so happy that you're here and I cannot wait to support you on your journey. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you are doing wonderful today. So today we have a fun guest. We have Dr. Malika McCready, who is is a clinical psychologist who works with women on their relationship with food, relationship to their body, and she works a lot with hidden hunger. So today this podcast is all about hunger, um, but not our physical hunger. We're going to talk about all the other reasons why we eat, why we may rely on food. I'm really excited for to share this conversation with you. So I hope you will enjoy this episode. everyone. Welcome back to the Bounce Dietitian Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen here again today. We have a really exciting guest from the other side of the country. So today we're inviting Dr. Melissa McCreary to come talk to us about hunger, something that we love to talk about here because we love to talk about food. So welcome, Melissa. How are you? I am great. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm so happy you're here too. We were just talking before recording that we have very similar backgrounds today. So we're very aligned. I think so. And literal, literally similar. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, before we get started into the topic of hunger, can you tell us a little bit more about you, what you do and what got you started working in this field? Sure. Um, so I have right now I, I work, um, I do coaching with women all over the world. My background is I'm a clinical psychologist and I have spent my entire career working with women around food and eating and body image and weight and every, you know, every single, I think about just about every combination that you could put together around that. Um, and for a number of years, I was a therapist in private practice. Um, I shifted, I now have a a business online called too much on her plate. So I work with women around what I call the three O's overwhelm, overload, and overeating and how those things get tangled up to create a huge mess (laughs) and how we can untangle them and life can be so much better. Um, and I really made that shift from being a therapist in private practice to doing the work that I do after, I felt like I was hitting a wall in terms of the um, what what I was um, what I was doing with people. I, I I was seeing women coming into my office, bright, successful, capable people who were doing all sorts of amazing things, and 
what I hadn't realized when I got into this work was what a limit women are usually given around what is possible for them with food and with eating. And so I think what happened um, is I just heard one too many women uh, sit across from me and say things like, I know this is something I will always struggle with. I know this is always going to be an issue for me. I know this is something I'm always going to have to be very careful about. I know I'm never going to have a relationship with food that's going to work like the rest of the world. I know, like, I know, I know, I know. And, and there was such a disconnect because these are women, these are powerful women who think powerful thoughts, who do amazing things, who have figured out how to be in three places at once with their kids and their career and all this kind of stuff. And yet we have been sold this idea that food is, is going to be a struggle, right? That there are some people who struggle with it and there are some people who don't, and you have to be strong and you have to have willpower and you have to be determined and all this kind of uh, crap. And I just know that isn't true. And it, it, that is something I am so passionate about is, is helping women um, not stay in control of struggles, not learn how to win struggles, not learn how to be strong and determined and find their motivation and all that stuff, but how to leave the struggles behind, right? Because if you can untangle this stuff and there are ways to move forward, so that you can use your valuable time and energy on things that matter much more to you, you know? I love that so much. And thank you so much for sharing that. Cause I'm sure a lot of people listening are like, oh, that's me. Like I'm that person sitting in front of you saying all of this. A hundred percent, like struggles around food. Like we are, we are meant to believe that it's a personal failure and that it's on us. And it we is our fault. Wrong. Yeah. 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 And it's really, really hard when you're stuck in that way, because it feels like there's no way out. Like the only way is to just like work on my motivation and willpower. So I can well, do better. Yes, exactly. The only way is to work harder, right? It's, if it's my fault, then the only way is to work harder. And so what happens is you have all these women running harder and harder on this hamster wheel that is getting them nowhere and feeling like it's their fault. And if they could just figure out the magic spell or they could just get their speed up or something, um, everything would change. And it's, it's just a crock. It's, it's, it's a lie. And what, what's happening is, is um, all this energy is being spent in the wrong direction and life is too short for that. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. And it feels a lot like even as we speak, like a lot lighter when we're like, wait, you don't have to fight through or work harder or do anything more. Actually, it's quite the opposite. It's like that letting go, that detangling, that unpacking, that allowing ourselves to move on so we can use our brain space for other things that feel oh, a little so bit many better. Other things. Yeah. So many other things. That's amazing. Um, thank you so much for sharing that. And that just sounds like really important, powerful work that you're doing uh, for women everywhere. Before we get into hunger, I'm actually curious. So you said you do overwork, overload, and overeating. What's the difference between all of them? I'm actually more curious about the overload. <laughs> like overwhelm, overwhelm overload, and overeating. You know, well, so overwhelm, um, that's an interesting question because I haven't really broken it down um, specifically before, but it, overwhelm, it has a lot to do with our thoughts and our beliefs and the stories that we tell ourselves. Not that, not that you can't get to a place where life truly is overwhelming, but, but um, mindset is a huge piece of, of figuring out the emotional eating and overeating puzzle. And the way we think, the way we talk to ourselves, the things we believe have a huge, huge amount to do with the overwhelm that we create in our life. Cause overwhelm is a, is a feeling um, overload is 
is, I guess, I think about the difference being, being the, the externals overload is too much, right? Overload is feeling too busy, having too many things literally on your, on your plate, having, having your schedule too crowded, having just too much, having too many thoughts in your head. Um, and then overeating gets to be so tricky because it, it's an easy reaction to both of those things. Right. And in the short term, it feels like it helps. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I love how you like separate all of that. All right. So let's start talking about hunger. I think one yeah. of the biggest lies that we hear all the time is that food is simply fuel and it's calories mm -hmm. in versus calories out. And we are robots that <laughs> eat a specific amount all the time. So let's unpack a little bit hunger. You've mentioned something around having hidden hungers. Can you talk to us a little bit about that concept and why are different reasons why we need food and why we get hungry? Well, Absolutely. Um, and that, oh, you just touched on a pet peeve of mine because that is the, that is my favorite worst advice for emotional eating and stress eating and actually overeating in general, right? Is when, when you go to see someone and they say, you know, or you read an article in a magazine and they say, um, be alert for these things. And, and if you, if you recognize that what you're doing is emotional eating or stress eating, you know, don't do it. <laughs> Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that, Captain Obvious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so I paid for this session today. <laughs> <laughs> the way, the way I approach, you know, things is if you, if you are taking notes during this episode and you write down any one thing, my main takeaway is always that we eat for a reason. There is always a reason that we eat. So if it's, emotional eating, if it's stress eating, if it's whatever it is that you have labeled it, there is a reason that you are eating. And sometimes it is a need for fuel, but quite often it is a need for something else. Um, and there are hidden hungers that I have, um, that, that I call, I've used, I use that term hidden hungers to describe some of the hungers that, um, are really common, especially for busy women. Some of the reasons that there are the, the triggers that drive us to eat because we're really hungry for something else. And we live in a society where it is just so easy to use food as the something else, right? Um, it's convenient, it's everywhere. Uh, if you can do it without setting boundaries with other people, right? You can, you can do it while you're still doing the hard thing or while you're still taking care of your children or while you're, um, and in the short term, it, it can numb us or create a pause button for us or give us that, that, you know, chemical boost and, and make us feel a little bit more energized or feel rewarded. Um, but if you think about it, there are a number of things that can, that, um, and I, I tend to, I work with busy women. That's, that's the population that I tend to work with, but think about the things that drive you to the kitchen or to the vending machine or to reach for the chocolate in your desk drawer, right? Things like feeling exhausted or being too busy or stress, you know, we all know stress eating or having emotions that feel too big or that you don't know how to handle, or frankly, having emotions that you just don't feel like you have the bandwidth at this moment to deal with, even though you might be able to handle them perfectly well on a you know different day. Um, there's, there's, there, we reach for food. Another place where we can get triggered is eating to avoid. 
because we just don't feel like we have, it's as much like what I was saying about the emotions. We don't have the time or the energy or the bandwidth to deal with one more thing, right? Or to get started on the ne next project or so we're just gonna just reach for something to eat because we don't have to think about that. Um, so there are these reasons that are very powerful for lots of people in our society, I think particularly for busy women or for women in general. Um, and all of those reasons not only are powerful, but they interact with each other, right? So if you're stressed and if you're too busy, you're also likely to be skimping on sleep and now maybe you're exhausted and now you don't have the bandwidth to deal with emotions in the way that you used to. And so we can get this whole tangled up web of unmet unmet needs that lead us to be hungry for things that have nothing to do with food and and i'm sure you talk about i know you talk about this in your other podcast episodes but if we approach issues with food and emotional eating and overeating and stress eating like or binging like they are issues with food and we don't pay attention to the hidden hungers that are created by exhaustion and being too busy and stress and being overwhelmed and being overloaded. And um, it's like aiming all of our energy over here when the issues are over here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we often say it's like, it's about food, but it's not really about the food. It's like not about the food. Food yeah. is like that symptom, that thing that we helps us cope and it's powerful like you said it's something that is very effective and that's why we do it right like if if we didn't provide nothing for us it wasn't helpful we wouldn't use it but it is so powerful in those moments and if you can even pull back from that and and because i know a lot of people get so stuck in that cycle of self-blame and frustration with themselves but if you can take that idea that food is helpful in those moments and you can kind of widen the lens and pull back like you do, you know, when you're taking a picture on your phone, it's helpful because there are reasons that you are reaching for food, right? It is helpful because there are things going on that aren't about you and you not being strong enough and you not being disciplined enough and you not caring enough. All of that is, is, is a distraction from these real issues. And so where I start with the, the women that I work with in my programs is, you know, let's get clear on your hidden hungers. Let's get clear on the things that you are really hungry for. Things like a hunger for rest or a hunger for compassion or a hunger for stress relief, um, hungers for, for ways to deal with those emotions. You know, because when you can deal with those things, those, that's where you start to dissolve the power that food has over you. Plus, you also get to make your life better, <laughs> which yeah. which M&Ms never make your life better for more than for more than 30 minutes. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I love how you talk about it's almost like a very self-compassionate way of, of looking at it, that we're not blaming ourselves for using food. We're not shaming ourselves. We're not beating ourselves down because we don't have to build power, but we're seeking to understand like, OK, like what is it that I needed in that moment? How did food help? Right. Like how was food um, supportive in that moment? I, it's always such a, a different way of viewing it instead of being like, oh, I suck. I should have done this. Like, why didn't I do that? Like, why didn't I use something else? Being like, okay, wait, if we do step, step back, if we do zoom out to be like, how was food supportive? What did I need in that moment? And just being able to ask ourselves those questions in a gentle way feels so much better than just shaming ourselves because then we're like almost like heightening even more our emotions like because now there's shame involved and there's the guilt involved and like our web just gets bigger and bigger exactly and not only does it feel good but but compassion 
is such a power tool. Like we, 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 we know this when we deal with other people, but when we, but when it comes to applying compassion to ourselves, we do, we just, you know, we're, we're horrible at it as human beings. <laughs> and, but the thing is, the way you get somewhere, the way you transform your relationship with food is by growing and changing. And the way you grow and change is through curiosity. Uh, you cannot have curiosity if you have already decided that the problem is you, it is all your fault, you suck, you know, you call yourself all these names. Self-blame is a dead end. You cannot have self-blame and curiosity at the same time, which means you cannot grow. You've already decided, I know what the answer to this problem is. I know who the problem is. Um, there's no conversation there. And you can't be curious if you don't have compassion. So it, on the one hand, people say, oh, that's nice. And I should be nicer to myself. And it feels so good. And it does. Like I'm not belittling that. But for those of you who are just high achievers and you want to get somewhere and you're impatient, <laughs> you would like to transform your relationship with food, know that self-blame doesn't allow you to do that. It closes the door. Mm, I love that. Self-blame is a dead end. <laughs> totally. <laughs> that needs to be a t-shirt. <laughs> it completely is. It's like, boom, problem solved. It's my fault. Okay. Yeah. So how's that working for you? Yeah. Yeah. So what would you say, um, would be like the first step. So if, if someone here is listening and is identifying like, okay, there is definitely some hidden hungers. Like there's definitely ways that I'm using food, um, to cope in some way. Like what would be the first step that someone can take to start using that curiosity and self-compassion to identify this? Well, the first step that I recommend, we actually, I actually have a hidden hungers quiz that is free, that is on my website. If you want to go there, we can put the link in the show notes for that. Um, and there are a couple of different reasons for that. Um, because as I said, like if you start to diagram out these hidden hungers, what happens a lot to people, and this is speaking again to overwhelm, is that people, everyone has hidden hungers and people start to say, oh crud, I, I have all of them. <laughs> <laughs> because they all, they go together and one exacerbates the other. And so I really worked to figure out how can I help people identify what their primary hidden hunger is because you have one. And along with that, what is the place that you can start to make an impact? Because not only do all these hidden hungers function together and they start to very easily, if you have one very quickly, you're going to have two or three but they also come apart together. So that if you can start to target the most logical place for you to start to make an impact, um, say, you know, if you can start to, if you have a hidden hunger for rest and you can start to pay attention to that and you can start to feed that hidden hunger in ways that are not food, the other things that are kind of piggybacking onto that are going to start getting better too. But, it's, but it can be really tough to get past the mindset piece because here's the other thing that tends to exacerbate emotional eating and overeating, it's perfectionism. It's all or nothing thinking, right? It's, oh no, I have all these hidden hungers. I have to like, you know, overhaul my life. I have to. So finding a small doable way to start. So I would recommend go take the quiz. If you don't wanna do that, or if you can't do that, and you know, okay, I do have stress or I do have exhaustion or I do have... Pick one doable thing that you can do to start to, to move the needle on that, just like a millimeter. You know, don't go for broke. Just what can I do to start to shift that um, and be gentle with yourself and pay attention to what happens? 
Yeah, I, I love that, like those baby steps towards it, because I definitely hear that all the time, that all or nothing of like, okay, now I need to be better and I be, need to be better yesterday. <laughs> and we get very impatient with ourselves, especially when we think of like the healing process. Um, same thing when we think of like no longer dieting and letting go of all food rules. We're like, well, now that I've decided I'm no longer dieting, now I will be better. But there's so much to unpack there. And I think that piece of like being able to take the baby steps and just tuning in, checking in, asking ourselves what we need is just so important. I'm quickly stopping this podcast to let you know that if you are interested in healing your relationship with food and your body, there is no better time than now. So I have a free class coming up where we're going to talk all about food freedom, guilt-free eating, and the step-by-step on how you can actually heal your relationship with food and with your body. A lot of this stuff, when we think about healing, is not as simple as just, you know, I'm going to stop dieting or I'm just not going to restrict anymore. A lot of it is so much deeper and there's no shame in getting support. It's actually so cool when you actually can join a community of people who are going through the same stuff. Like, group program has been so wonderful because People are able to support one another. You're able to heal with other people. And that that peace, healing, and community, I cannot speak enough about how important this is in this journey. So if you're interested in learning a little bit more, if you're interested in knowing if this could be for you, if you're ready for that step-by-step approach to having a great relationship to food, to feel confident and well in your body, and to just increase your confidence, check out the free class. So you can go to www.thebalancepractice.com forward slash sign up. I hope I'll get to see you there. Um, And I'm curious to know, like, how many hidden hungers are there? Like, is there like a hundred or is there, do you have like, okay, there's five specific ones or main ones. Okay. You have five. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And what are they? Five. So hunger for compassion which is a really complicated one. If you if you take the quiz and you get that one, um, be sure you read the resource guide that you get that goes with that because people don't understand hunger for compassion, but it is a huge cause of mindless eating and autopilot eating. Um, there's a hunger for emotional effectiveness, which is no surprise, a hunger, uh, <clears throat> the hidden hunger that can lead to emotional eating. Um, hidden hunger for rest. So that can show up as eating to zone out, eating to numb, eating to reward yourself because you're too tired to do anything else, Um, eating to uh, procrastinate, autopilot eating because you're too tired to think. Um, There's a hidden hunger for self-care and me time. Big one, very big one for women. And that can show up in a number of ways. You'll you'll, probably starting to hear how these things can overlap. But when you have a hidden hunger for self-care and me time, that often goes really closely with a hidden hunger for rest. Because guess what happens? You're not getting what you need. You're not feeling appreciated. You're feeling like you don't have any rewards. What happens for a lot of women is the end of the day, you get to that place. All of those things are going on. You feel like I need something for me. So you stay up late because that is my time. It is my only time. Everybody's in bed now. Haven't had a reward. Oh, ice cream, right? Or something, right? This is my me time. This is my reward. And you get into those patterns that then you're so frustrated with of overeating or binge eating or emotional eating in the evening. 
Um, it has to do with hidden hungers. You know, we can look at the physiology and other things that may be going on, but almost always when I talk to people about eating at night, there is just a depletion that has happened all day in things that have not been fed. And at the end of the day, you're too tired to do much else other than have something to eat, you know? So um, gave you, oh, and hidden hunger for stress relief, which can lead to, oh, stress eating. <laughs> There's something no one deals with. <laughs> Yeah, no, really? Stress? What, what is stress? Uh, okay, I love that. So compassion, emotional affection, uh, rest, self-care, and then stress relief. Yeah, and definitely I think like if everybody like hearing too, like I feel like all of those things go together all of the time. Yeah, and so figuring out how to start unpacking them because what they do is they go together and then they then this is why we have to pay attention to our thoughts and our beliefs because what happens is we can really quickly start having thoughts of overwhelm. Right. Oh, I, well, yeah, you've just described my whole life. How can I make a change here? I can't do this. And then, and then if we're eating to cope with overwhelm and stress, <laughs> it can become a cycle. So figuring out how to pull these things apart is so important, but it's also so powerful because think about it. If you are somebody who's thinking I have all these things, or I have four of these things, or what would happen if you didn't, like, what would your life look like? If your primary thoughts weren't, I'm tired and I'm too busy and I don't have time to deal with this crap and, um, you know, my stress is overwhelming me and there's never any time for me. If we could start to address those things, you know, just put your eating over here. Let's not even talk about your eating. What else would feel different about your life? It's so powerful. Mm -hmm. And do you find that, because I would assume, um, and I can see, take myself as an example too, like sometimes I have those thoughts. Sometimes I'm like in my head and I'm like catastrophizing a little bit, but sometimes I'm like, life gets really, really hard. And there's like a lot of stuff on the go and all the, all the plates running all everywhere. Like, do you find that like when it's an actual thing <laughs> like happening, does that mindset work still like is supportive or do you find like, oh, in those moments, then we need like more actionable tools because yeah, life sometimes is really hard and stressful and all of the things. You know, it's a combination. Um, and it took me, uh, it took me a while to figure I knew, I've always known that, but it took me a while to figure that out, how to help people with that it, because it is all those things at once. And so, you know, for, for a while I would, I like at one point I had a, a program where I would help people with like mindset, we would work on mindset things. And I had another program where we would work on food freedom and, and they were good programs, but what I figured out is we gotta, you gotta address all the pieces at once. And so now what I do with my clients and in my, in my group program is it's, it's my, it's all there's mindset. There is food freedom and breaking out of diet mentality and diet culture. And then there's what I call forever freedom. Like, how do we, how do I create this in a way that is not just sustainable to me, but that when I close my eyes and think about doing this for the rest of my life, I actually want to, instead of think, how long can I keep this up? Right. Cause which all of us have done, <laughs> yeah. but we really have to circle back through all of those things as we make changes. So it's changing our thinking, changing our approach. And then as you do that, 
as you do that, excuse me, you're going to realize, oh, you know what? The strategies I've been trying sitting on my hands turns out doesn't work. Like <laughs> I could use some better strategies. Okay. Um, but then, you know, we also have to pull back from our perfectionistic thinking and our high achiever mentality, because I guess what? It's a marathon, not a sprint. Like, so how can I put this stuff in place that, that is sustainable? And so in the work I do, I'm always cycling back between those three things because yeah. they're all, they're all equally important. No, I, I a hundred percent agree with you. Like, I think for sure, like mindset piece is big and then matching that with like, how can we actually support ourselves through, through those time? Um, yeah. which is so very important. Oh, I love that. Like, I love how all of this just ties in together. It's all this piece of like having food freedom and like using food in a way that's supportive. But then I like that piece too, of like, and I don't know if that's how you teach, but I always talk about when you think of emotional eating, that it's not a bad thing. And I think even like taking away that like emotional eating is bad or using food to cope is bad really gives us a little bit more of that curiosity piece of things mm -hmm. where you're like, no, it's not bad. It was actually supportive. And how can I either learn to do it differently or how can I allow myself to do it in a way that doesn't feel shameful, but it's not, um, like it's not the end all be all. Like you're not a you're not a bad person if you do that. Like food is emotionally loaded to start off, right? And food is wonderful, you know. One yeah. of the one of the components in my um my in my it's, I my pro, you keep using my words. So my program is called Your Missing Piece, P E A C E. Okay. So right, but okay. it's about putting together the pieces of the puzzle. And one of those pieces, one of the sections of that program is um, promoting yourself to CEO. Because I feel like, you know, we all deserve to be the CEO. We are the CEO of our well-being. And yet we aren't, you know, diet culture takes that away from us. We're, we're taught to, to what are the rules? What should I, there's so the rules and the shoulds and all this advice that you're supposed to like contort yourself like a pretzel to try to fit into and it doesn't fit you. And I, it's, it's very interesting, you know, I, I work with a lot of women who feel powerful in other areas of their life. And in this one, they don't. And partly it's because we haven't, we haven't been encouraged to claim our power. Right. So I am the CEO. I get to decide, you know, is this, is this habit working for me or not? Was, was what I ate a problem or not? Is that, you know, is emotional eating right now? Is it something that I'm okay with? Is it something that it's taking up too much of my time or energy? Or there's times there, maybe there are times of day that it's just not working for me, but if I'm not making it, um, tell me if I'm saying this in a way that makes sense. I feel really strongly that if I'm not making those decisions from the place where I'm in charge, I'm being dragged around by somebody else's, mm. you know, by diet mentality honestly. Yeah. I love that. That does resonate with me. Like it's this piece of like, you are the expert of you and ultimately yes. it's like you getting back the control. And I, I love that because I feel like that's how like we practice where, where I'm at. Like, it's very much like, it's not top down. It's not like me telling you what you need to do and like how to do it. It's like, no, the goal is to empower you. So you can make those decisions and understand what you need. So you become like, the pilot of your plane. Like you get to decide the CEO. I love that. <laughs> I like the pilot. Yeah. They're both really good. Yeah. <laughs> Basically you're the boss. You get to decide. No, I love that so much. And I think that that is empowering and also scary. Cause I think a lot of us and a lot of women, like we've been told that we can't trust ourselves or our oh. body and we need those rules. And it's such a good way to keep us playing small. 
but when you can learn that, no, no, actually you get to trust yourself because you have that like inner wisdom and you know, and like you can be empowered to just trust yourself. It's, it's really cool to see the changes that happens in a woman's life when they become empowered. Yeah. I mean, that's what I always say. You've, you're the only one who's lived inside your body your entire life. How can anybody else tell you what's going to work for you? If you're not filtering, I mean, there is, there is good advice out there and there are people who know things that you may not know, but if you're not filtering that through your own inner wisdom, right. And if you've lost your belief in your inner, inner wisdom, then some of the first work you need to do, it's the first work I always do with people is we need to get you reconnected with that because that is the only way you're going to know that's. That is, that's how you know what works for you. And you do have it. If you're, if you're one of those people who's thinking, well, I don't have wisdom. Yes, you do. Um, We we just got to get you hooked back up with that, you know? No, and I I love that so much. No, it's just that the piece around like body image and when women maybe also feel like that discomfort within their body. Um, and then food becomes a little bit more tricky in that way. Uh-huh. We have more food rules because we're trying to control because we feel disconnected from our body or we don't like our body because we're told it's not good enough. I'm just curious to see if you see that in your work as well as you work with women who are these high achievers. Like, do you find that the body piece also drives a lot of that relationship to food? Absolutely. And I, and I think there's a lot of part, it it fits with a lot of what we've been talking about, about getting, um, being disconnected from yourself. And, you know, there's, there's this first phase of reconnecting with yourself. And that, that means getting back into your body. There are a lot of women walking around feeling like they're just from the neck up, you know, thinking their thoughts and getting back into your body, feeling your feelings in your body, feeling your hunger in your body, um, but also feeling your desire in your body. A lot of people, when, when you really talk about it and think about it, a lot of women aren't so sure, you know, what do you want? What do you want? Which is another way we can use food to push stuff down or to, to distract ourselves from stuff we don't know the answer to. Um, what do you want for your body? You know, what do you want? Yes, we've been told for years what it should look like, what size we should be, what we should eat, what should, how we should tend to it, all that stuff. But But starting to figure that stuff out from the inside out instead of, taking in stuff from the outside and trying to apply it to us really shifts everything. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes for people, um, it's, you know, often people come in with one set of goals and those shift as we're working together, or they start to feel really different, right? Like, like I, you know, I'm thinking of, um, this isn't body image, but I'm thinking of a client I worked with who came in with this long list of shoulds about what she should be eating and how many vegetables she should be eating. And like, she could, you know, should herself to death. And she ended up, she was a really artistic, creative type, and she ended up having this passion for eating colorfully, right? And eating in this way and eating for vibrance and be eating for ways that like boosted her energy. And, and it was funny because if we had taken what she wanted to eat, what she thought she should eat at the beginning and how she ended up eating at the end, they were kind of different. They weren't really different, but the way she felt about it and why she was doing it and the decision making she would use to decide if this was continuing to work for her was completely different, mm. you know. And it, um, and I think it's the same about how we see our bodies too, because mm-hmm. no, I think I sometimes people are afraid that if they start working on this, they won't be able to have, like, they'll have to give up on whatever goals they have. Um, you know, I'll have to. I, I have to. I can't want anything. And no, but I think we have to decide what is it I really want? 
Like what is, what's really important to me? Am I, am I, I'm not sure if I'm saying that in a way that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds to me like you're talking a lot about the intention behind why we do things and like making sure that it is intentional and something that we want and it's internal instead of external. And giving ourselves permission to not only want, but giving ourselves permission to not want things. Maybe you've been trying to do something for years that you don't really want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. No, thank you so much for, for, for being here today and talking about this. Um, it's always super cool to have this, these different conversation and different way of approaching your nutrition and understanding ourselves better. I think this is, this is a really cool conversation. So thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you for um, me. No, of course. Where can people find you? So we will link your quiz in the show notes so people can go to the quiz. Uh, but where, where else are you, are you at? I'm at too much on her plate.com. So it's T O O too much on her plate.com. And that's where you can connect and find anything. You can find the quiz. Um, we also have, uh, the too much on her plate podcast. So you can find me in all the places that you find podcasts. Um, but those it's, it's and it's easy to remember because it's the same name. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Too much on her plate. Amazing, amazing, amazing. So let's finish up with our fun questions. The first one being, what is your favorite food? Oh boy. It depends on the day. (laughs) Um, Wow. Okay. My favorite food is cheesecake. Ooh, I love that. That's definitely my, my favorite dessert. I had a cheesecake wedding cake. Oh, (laughs) do I win a prize? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You get the price. It had four tiers. <laughs> Yum. Love that. Love that. Okay. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? I would like to be able to fly. I watch, um, I live in the Pacific Northwest and I watch this every, you know, these bald eagles soaring around, um, riding on the, the airstreams and they just look like they're having so much fun. So I would yeah. like to be able to do that. Yeah. Oh, I love that. All right. Um, what is your favorite way to self-care? Um, being in nature, being outside in beautiful places. That is awesome. And then the last question for you, okay. what does balance mean to you? Balance means, oh, balance for me, balance is not walking on a tightrope because that would drive me nuts. Um, right. Balance has to do with moving around a line and most of the time never being on it. I love that. It's like that fluidity. Of it's like, well, I need to go a little to the left, a little to the right, but it's, it's letting go of the expectation that I will actually be on the line most of the time. I love that so much. Thank you again for spending this time with me. This was such a cool episode. Everybody go check her quiz, go check her out. Thank you again for being here. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Wasn't this podcast amazing? 
amazing. Melissa is such a cool person. I love the fact that we got to connect um, and just learn a little bit more about her approach with hidden hunger. I do want to reiterate that emotional eating is not a bad thing. Using food as a way to cope is not a bad thing. It is actually so productive. It's helpful for a lot of us. It's what has helped us cope through really, really hard times. So we want to make sure that we take the shame out of it so we can really focus on what we need and why we do what we do. Something that I do a lot with my clients is that I ask them to actually thank the food. Even when we feel angry, even when we feel like, oh, I wish I would have not done that. I want you to try to thank the food. Thank the food for being there, for being able to be supportive, for helping you cope. This way, it, it helps us take away a layer of guilt that we may find around it. It helps us see food as something that has been productive and supportive and then allow us to tune in. My favorite quote of this episode is that self-blame is a dead end, right? Using curiosity and compassion is the only way to grow. On that note, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please leave us a review. We always appreciate reviews. It helps us grow. It helps us spread this message. And on that note, I will catch you in the next episode.